Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. A lot of things to get to on the program. Going to come to the defense in a pretty strong way with this thing. It's, it's sort of new and amazing. Uh, it's called Facts. Uh, of Nikola Jokic and why this notion, this idea, this, this narrative that's being presented by folks who I think do and certainly should know better that he'll be the worst MVP in NBA history is I'm trying to think of the word for this, the technical term, stupid. It's stupid, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna address in about 20 minutes. We've got four great guests lined up for you here on the show. Jeff Zilgit from USA Today Sports will talk some NBA. He has an NBA MVP ballot and all the other awards, so we'll have a conversation about about where he's leaning. Frank Martin, in full disclosure, is a friend of mine. I, I covered Frank. My God, was it 20 years ago when he was at Kansas State, and I was at the Kansas City Star. By the way, when I was driving around, spending all of my time for five years reporting and listening to the Jim Rome Show every single day whenever I could. It's amazing I'm sitting here. Uh, Frank's a great guy, head coach at South Carolina. Going to have a, a candid conversation about what it is to be on the hot seat and, and what that feels like. And I'm glad South Carolina made the right decision as it relates to Frank's situation. Tom Haverstrow, another NBA insider, like analytics dude, smart guy, will be on the program as well. Frank and Tom in the second hour. And I think I have this guy, I think I have Jerry Harrison Jr. on a lot when I come on the show, because I think he's great. Played for the Yankees, played for the Cubs, played for the Dodgers, Dodgers analyst, won a World Series, really insightful. We'll visit with him and talk some baseball toward the end of the hour, the end of the show. We'll get to Anthony Davis's injury. We'll get to the Brooklyn. Has there ever been a team that's more talented and goes out of the way to be less likable than the Brooklyn Nets? I'm not making this up. We'll play it for you later. James Harden thinks that they're the only team in the NBA that has to. We have this thing that no one else has. We've cracked the code. We have talented players. Got some breaking news for you, James. It's not a competition for biggest beard when it relates to who has talent and who doesn't. There are some other guys that can hoop in the NBA. Maybe the Nets are going to win the whole thing. It's really hard to, to root for them. But we'll start here. And as always, the phone lines are open. A bunch of you called in yesterday. I'll try to get to the calls. I want to hear from you. Not my show, obviously. I'm a steward of this show. This is the Jim Rome Show. I, I have the honor and the, and the pleasure to sit in for the most talented guy to ever do it. And uh, it's his show. It's your show. 1-800-636-8686. Rome at Habitake.com. At Jim Rome. JimRome.com. We've talked Aaron Rodgers. Jim's talked to you about it. I've talked about it on my show in the mornings before the Jim Rome Show, Rider Than You, 10 a.m. To, to noon Eastern time. And we hit it yesterday. And there are some de developments. There are some, some things that have happened in the last 24 hours that I think are worth talking about and that are noteworthy. And one of them happened on this show yesterday. There's now, man, Aaron Rodgers is a smart guy. There's this notion that's being presented by Aaron Rodgers. I'm telling you by Aaron Rodgers that Aaron Rodgers isn't the bad guy. Aaron Rodgers didn't leak these stories. Whatever turmoil there is, it's not Aaron Rodgers. He, he's doing, and I used to cover politics before I got into sports. I, I covered uh, out of Little Rock, Arkansas as a newspaper writer a lifetime ago, Bill Clinton. Um, when he was president, post-presidency uh, in that market, helped other people cover that, 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 uh, that gentleman. And dealing with athletes and sports owners at a certain level of, of income and a certain level of, 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 of greatness reminds me of covering Bill Clinton, just in terms of the sophistication with which those operations operate and how they spin you and they work you and they try to try to shape the narrative. Whether it's, you know, Clark Hunt, who I know and have covered in my newspaper days, who's obviously a billionaire and the owner of the Chiefs, or Steve Ballmer, who owns the Clippers that I've sat, I've sat down with before, LeBron James I spent time covering, Chris Paul, I, mean, I can go through the entire list. You're talking about sophisticated operations. And just like in politics and sports, a lot of times the people who rail the most against the fake news media or the lying, the lying sports writers are the ones who are leaking the sports writers. Now, I've never covered Aaron Rodgers, but I would, um, I'd would i be willing to bet a substantial amount of someone else's income, say Garrett Ritz, I don't know, maybe some of mine, that Aaron Rodgers is the guy behind this message in the last 24 hours that, that Aaron Rodgers isn't the problem. And we've seen that in a few ways. One is the really interesting number of surrogates who have come out and have put into the sports talk ecosystem, Aaron Rodgers isn't the problem. Aaron Rodgers may not even leave. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want Brian Gutenkunst to be fired, the GM. What are we talking about? And and before I get to James Jones, the, the former wide receiver and, and Aaron Rodgers' confidant, and, and remind you what, what, what Brady Papinga said on the show yesterday, and Brady's a friend of mine, and, and get to A.J. Hawk, who, who I like and have had on my show a lot. I don't think these gentlemen are liars. I, I just think, I think, I know Brady's the opposite. I just believe that Aaron Rodgers is sophisticated and smart enough to know that when he calls these guys and tells them something, 
and they say, okay, cool, I'll, I'll keep it to myself, bro. And Aaron Rodgers says something along the lines of, no, it's fine, man, I got nothing to hide. They're going to go on NFL Network. They're going to go on the Jim Rome Show. They're going to go on Rider Than You. They're going to go on wherever the hell AJ Hawk went on. And they're going to talk about what they've heard from Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, through them, Puppet Master is going to shape the narrative. Let, let me give you some of the examples of what surrogates have, have been saying. James Jones, former receiver for the Packers, a guy who said in this conversation, NFL Network, that, that, he, that he talked to Rodgers, he talks to Aaron Rodgers weekly, went on NFL Network and had this to say. When the organization side of it comes into place and you talk about, you know, him and the GM and the head coach working together, I think it's fixable. I think they'll be able to get that stuff done. But I think that's what it's about. It's not about getting the GM fired. It's not about new contract. It's all about making sure that you putting the team in the best situation to win some championships. Oh, I, I'm sorry. It's not about getting the, the GM fired. Who do you think put out the reports that the GM need to be fired. You think Brian Gutenkunst picked up the phone and called Adam Schefter or Mike Florio and said, hey, it's me. Um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you can report. Don't, don't attach to me. But you report that Rodgers wants me fired, and then we can work together to ruin my career. Brian Gutenkunst, and I don't know him at all, has lost sleep, has realized, because Aaron Rodgers wants him to realize it, and by the way, should realize this and didn't. This is his own problem. This is the GM's own fault. You're not the powerful player in this relationship. Aaron Rodgers may smile at you and say hi to you in the hallway and treat you with respect, but he's the one that has the power. That, that's the message he's sending. But with all respect to James Jones, get out of here. I, I mean, maybe it's a walk back by, by Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he's trying to walk back what he's created because he slept on it and thought, you know what, I, I want to be a Packer. More likely, people who operate with this level of sophistication will push and pull and, and will use what they can, the weight of their words, on the record, off the record, to push the conversation where they want. And this happened yesterday on this show, and Brady Papinga's a friend, and I take him at his word that this is what he thinks. But I asked him on the Jim Rome Show, Brady Papinga, linebacker, former Packer, uh, friend of Aaron Rodgers to the point where when I was doing a weekend radio show with Brady, you know, not a place that we exactly got star guests. Aaron Rodgers came on, I think, twice. And not because he's like, who's Phil Biter? Who's that guy? I want to I be on radio with that guy. Because he was friends with Brady Papinga. I asked Brady, what are the odds Rodgers is going to be the Packers quarterback expecting the answer to be zero or five percent, and this on the Jim Rome show yesterday is what Mr. Papinga had to say. I mean, it's fifty-fifty. You know, I mean, the the reality is, is he's a man of principle. He's going to stick his heels into the ground based off of what's happened, and the Packers are equally as strong in terms of acting according to principle, which is somewhat part of the the reason why you know they're at a standstill right now. So uh, I don't I don't see Aaron playing for any other team. I'll say that because I don't think the Packers would even let him do that. I believe that they would just have him not play. But, you know, it's early. We're, we're May here. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that could change, you know, but, uh, but I don't see him playing on any other team. Two interesting points here. One, again, same point that I've already made. I'm going to make it again. Aaron Rodgers has, has put out the call, unleash the surrogates. And they're out there and they're saying the things that, that, that I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has said to them. Two... Aaron Rodgers is a very smart guy, and I've, I've, I've dealt with some of the people that I mentioned and some other people. You would be surprised, I think, the way to which athletes who, who make a, a brand and a point of pretending they don't read anything or listen to anything are very aware, very aware of how to shape conversations. Uh, I'm very critical of people when I think it's appropriate. As a writer, when I was doing that full-time, I was very honest about the people that I covered, even if I covered them day in, day out. And um, the names of, of the people who matter in sports, I'm talking athletes and coaches of the highest order, who would, through surrogates usually, not always, usually, who would reach out and try to shape my perspective, told me how involved they are. I'm not pretending I'm important. I'm not important. And certainly wasn't then. Less important then. And I knew then if, there, if, if people at this level are trying to shape my perspective, they are calling the Adam Schefters and the Adrian Wojnarowski's on a, on a regular basis. So, so please don't underestimate the, not just ability, but the certainty, not the likelihood, the certainty that Aaron Rodgers is out there trying to make sure whatever he wants gets done in part through the media members that people like Aaron Rodgers make a habit of criticizing. This was true in politics, true too, it's, it's true in sports. The people that rail the most against the press making stuff up and lying about anonymous sources and all that are 99% of the time the folks who, when they get done saying that, call the Washington Post or the New York Times or, or CBS Sports or ESPN and leak stuff. 
This is all Aaron Rodgers. And A.J. Hawk's another one of these guys. I won't read you the whole quote, but A.J. Hawk went to the Kentucky Derby with Aaron Rodgers. When was the Kentucky Derby? Like a, a few days ago? A week ago? And A.J. Hawk comes out and says, basically, you know, I don't think Aaron wanted this to be public. We're in a weird spot. This is tough. What do you mean Aaron Rodgers? Again, the Packers aren't going to leak a story that gets themselves fired and Aaron Rodgers shipped somewhere else. The, the stuff is, and the idea that this stuff is made up is so crazy to me. Story's not true. What do you mean the story's not true? Teams reached out to the Packers to try and pry him away. I promise you, general managers around the National Football League and the rest of the major sports know the difference between what's a bunch of crap and what's real. And here's another thing that, that's true that I think is important to say. A lot of GMs don't know what's going on in other organizations. The way that, that people break news, that the big newsbreakers, is not just extracting information from sources, it's trading information. A GM in the NBA or the National Football League or MLB will want to know what the status is, what the politics is, what the desire to, to trade or move on from a player is in another organization. So they'll call up whoever it is and they'll get information from that reporter and then they'll give information. It's a transaction. That, that, that's how it works. So when the Niners, and they went on the record, I'm not going to play the sound, you know this. The Niners went on the record and said, we reached out. It's because it was real. And here's the last point that I want to make, and I think it's interesting in the context of Aaron Rodgers, I think being behind some of the news the last 24 hours, and why the right takeaway is not, there's nothing to see here. The right takeaway is, Aaron Rodgers created something, and he wants you for the moment to think there's nothing to see here. For whatever reason, to, to whatever ends he's working toward. And I like Mike Florio as a talent. I don't know him well. I've interviewed him on the radio, but I have a ton of respect and esteem for what he does, uh, what he's built, and um, he's very good at his job. Same for, for Adam Schefter. Don't know either guy. have interviewed both guys. They're both obviously very, very good at, at what they do. But Florio kind of went after Schefter a little bit today over at Pro Football Talk. If you missed it, the, the gist of it was Adam Schefter, when he broke the report that Aaron Rodgers wanted out the day of the draft, and everyone, including me, oh, Aaron Rodgers hijacking the draft, wrote in his report for ESPN and, and put on Twitter, Sources told him on Thursday. Sources said Thursday. Sources said Thursday. And then he went on a, a random radio show, Adam Schefter did, in the last 24 hours and said, you know, um, I, I, this was an accumulation of, of, of information. And Florio's point was, oh, my, oh, my gosh, like we got him. We got him. We got Schefter. He said Thursday, but it was an accumulation. Which is it? Maybe the report's wrong. The implication being this wasn't Aaron Rodgers who hijacked the draft. It, it was something else. And that's wrong. And here's how... Here's how I know it's wrong. Since Florio is is comfortable kind of pulling back the, the curtain on, on Schefter's business as a reporter, I'll do the same with Florio. I can't imagine that it's a coincidence that on the 24-hour news cycle that A.J. Hawk and Brady Papinga here on the Jim Rome Show and James Jones on NFL Network went out there and, and spread the same message that Aaron Rodgers is the good guy and everything's fine. It's not him. In that same news cycle, Florio put in a report questioning whether or not Rodgers could have been the one to distract from the draft. That seems a lot like Aaron Rodgers or someone near him pointing out to Florio, this is what happened. You should probably write it, which means, and I think this is what happened, having covered these things, Aaron Rodgers and the people around him almost certainly leaked to Schefter. And then when the heat got a little too much, they went to Florio and made Schefter look bad so the heat would be off them. It's not a criticism of Aaron Rodgers. It is a reminder. He is, and he's not alone in this. I mean, LeBron James, Clark Hunt, Steve Ballmer, Kevin, well, not Kevin Durant, the, the fake burner account sort of uh, belie that point. Steph Curry, all these folks who have these massive, massive brands. Tiger Woods, Aaron Rodgers are very sophisticated and understand the power of their words and the way to, to manipulate and, and, and use the media. They hire people. They hire politicians. They hire people that were chiefs of staffs of, of governors. They hire people who are paid a whole bunch of money to, to bend consumers' desires to whatever marketing, whatever whatever corporation wants to sell toothpaste or whatever it is. They hire people to do this. It's not like Aaron Rodgers does it himself. Kobe did it himself because Kobe was amazing. This is all part of a, a concerted effort to convince you that Aaron Rodgers had nothing to do with it. Don't buy it. He has every right to force his way out. If he wants to, he has every right to try and, and, and get Gutenkunz fired. And I do think they disrespected him. And they obviously handled it badly. But this is a real story. Aaron Rodgers is behind the story, and it's far from over. 1 800 636 8686 is the phone number. 
here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in my last day today, filling in Brian Weber in early part of uh, next week. Nikola Jokic is going to be the MVP. It's done. And there's a notion out there that the Nuggets star will be the worst historical MVP of all time. That perspective is stupid. And we're going to point that out with some facts when we come back in a moment here on the Jim Rome Show. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. Listen, small changes towards a healthier lifestyle can add up in a big, big way. But maybe you're not sure exactly where to begin. I'm here to help. Let me introduce to you Grove Collaborative. 70% of people say they want to use natural products, but only 2% actually do. Why is that? Because what they sell at the store is from the biggest companies, not necessarily the ones that are the best for you. So once again, where do you start? You start with Grove Collaborative. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. You can browse the site for thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products, all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. Honestly, I wanted to be healthier. I just did not know where to go or where to look. Not for these types of products, but now I do. Grove Collaborative. Join the over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. And shipping is fast and free on your first order. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier. And for a limited time, when you go to grove.co slash Rome, you get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash Rome and get your exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash Rome. All right, welcome back into the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you. 1-800-636-8686. RomanHeveTake.com at Jim Rome on Twitter, JimRome.com. It's time to ask the pros where you, the clones, get to ask us a question Brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go to cbsportsradio.com backslash askthepros and submit your question. Be listening later in the show when we might answer that question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Uh, on the old Twitter machine, sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R, if you want to hit me up directly, John in New York writes, We are witnessing why James Harden's defection from the Rockets will be crucial to the Nets championship run. It'll come together soon. Looking forward to your daily net bashing today. I'm glad you are. We'll probably get to that daily accurate net bashing. Let's call it 2.20 Eastern time, 11.20 Pacific time. By the way, I'm not the one who goes in front of a microphone and says no one's talented in the NBA except for the guys in the Nets. That's, that's the Nets. That's James Harden. Like, these guys have so many self-inflicted wounds as it relates to just being able to root for, for them. And, oh, by the way, they've lost four games in a row. But we'll, we'll get to it later in the show. I, I do have an NBA topic I want to hit with you. Before we get to Jeff Zill, get the, the national NBA guy from USA Today, who's great and, and a friend of mine, has a vote for all these awards, and we'll, we'll get his perspective. And that is this notion, I think unfairly gaining steam, that Nikola Jokic, who, who's going to be the NBA MVP, he, he just is, will be the worst historical MVP of all time or, or modern times. And I understand, I recognize that there's a there's a historical connection to winning MVP and, and your place in the game. No player in the history of the NBA has ever won a, a single Most Valuable Player award and not been in the Hall of Fame or isn't currently a player that's going to make the Hall of Fame other than Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose is sort of an interesting case study because he's the youngest MVP of all time. And he obviously had a, a catastrophic series of injuries that altered the course of his career. It's part of the reason I find him so likable and, and easy to root for on this New York Knicks team. But but that exception aside, Jokic winning MVP means that he's a Hall of Famer, means that that's the trajectory of his career. And, and there's this and the MVP race has been wildly altered by the the very thing that that everyone around the, the association knew was going to shape this season more than anything else and that was injury after injury after injury lebron james not playing a lot of games missed 20 came back now he's missed whatever it is three three i think four tonight uh, on this new streak of, of missed games he's the mvp if he plays 
85, 90% of the, of the games in this reduced season. Joel Embiid is the MVP. If he's able to be healthy long enough that he's out there. Kawhi Leonard probably played a few more games, had a chance to be the most valuable player in the league. James Harden, I don't think, maybe I would have, but I, I, I would have had a trouble getting Harden to the top of my ballot had he played you know, the entirety of the season, but, but he's certainly a viable candidate if he's not hurt. Same for Kevin Durant. So yes, there's a war of attrition, and at least in terms of this award season, Jokic won the war of attrition. But the idea that that makes them some kind of absurd anomaly, some kind of horror show and wound on the history of the NBA, is it's just wrong. It's farcical, and it's people who, in some cases, should, and in at least one case, National Talking Head, do know better. They know it's not true. They're just... They're just trying to shine a spotlight on themselves. Let me give you some facts. Obviously, the MVP is, a, is an award for, for a single season. It is what you do from game one to, to normally game 82, right, over the course of a regular season. The idea that Jokic may deserve it this year, may get it this year, but, but historically is an embarrassment, doesn't add up. And here are some facts. And brought to you by, and I don't know this gentleman, brought to you by Andy Bailey, who writes for Bleacher Report. Uh, this information is great. There's nothing like actual facts to counter people who are just saying a bunch of hot air and garbage because they're looking for something to talk about. Get out of here. Look, I talk for a living. I get it. It's more work to do the research and make the calls. Here's a shocking suggestion. How about you do the research and you make the calls? According to Andy Bailey from Bleach Report, uh, Mr. Jokic, his, his box score plus minus, which I think is a pretty good, it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect stat. None of these stats are perfect. But it's a fairly, I think, indicative reflection of, of someone's excellence. Um, let me just give you the, the, let me give you the all-time to sort of reinforce how good box score plus minus career box plus minus in the history of the NBA. Number one, this guy named Michael Jordan. You may have heard of him. He had a pretty good career. Pretty good basketball player. Number two, guy named LeBron James. Pretty good basketball. Feels like a pretty accurate rendering of the history of the game through box score plus minus. MJ1, LeBron2. You can flip it. Maybe we'll flip it. Those are the two guys. Number three, career, all time, box score plus minus, Nikola Jokic. Oh, wow, that's weird. Thought he, thought he sucked. Thought he was an embarrassment to the or. Thought he was the worst historical MVP of all time when, when he gets it. How about player efficiency rating? And Andy Bailey points out, and I'm not going to say the guy's name, but one of the people leading this um, this idea that Jokic is not very good is also known to like player efficiency rating because this guy's a really smart guy, and people that are smart understand that player efficiency rating is a really good metric. It doesn't incorporate defense as much as it should, but it's a really important metric. In the history of the NBA, this is John Hollinger's highfalutin stat. I once looked up the equation for what... Um, what goes into player efficiency rating, and I've, it made me feel even dumber than, 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 than I tend to. In the history of the NBA, Jokic is seventh in player efficiency rating. How about win share per, per 48 minutes, which I think is a really great stat. Basically, how much you're responsible for a team winning or losing, winning a game if spread over the 48 minutes the entirety of a basketball game. In the history of the NBA, Nikola Jokic is, is eighth. No one in NBA history matches Jokic's career marks of 23 points, 12 rebounds, almost 7.5 assists per 75 possessions. So when he gets the ball, right? And I think I think Mike Malone and the Nuggets have maybe figured out this guy's pretty good at basketball. Let's get him let's get him the rock. Nobody's in that level. And here's one last one just for this year, just to reinforce this year he deserves it. In 2020-21, this this NBA season, Jokic's box score plus minus is 11.73. That is the 8th best single season mark of all time and remember when you're doing like box score over a career or, or you're doing player efficiency rating over a career Michael Jordan can only appear on that list once LeBron James can only appear on that list a, a single time when you're doing box score plus minus by season Jordan could be on there three times LeBron could be on there three times Will Chamberlain Kevin Durant Steph Curry the point is this in an era and we are in this era of overwhelming NBA talent Look, is it going to translate to ratings in the next five or ten years? I don't know. We're going to find out. But the talent in the NBA is astounding. And the difficulty the NBA had in transitioning away from Jordan when he when he left may still be a difficulty when LeBron goes away, but they've got a lot more talent than they did last time around. I mean, Luka Doncic is a stud. What Zion Williamson is doing, just in terms of the pure stats, it's like it's Shaq-like, but with obviously more, more modern skills. I won't go through all the players. 
the narrative, the, the gravitational pull of LeBron James, just from a, from a narrative perspective, and, and now Steph a little bit, right? I think it detracts sometimes from some of the excellence that's out there. Nikola Jokic winning MVP in 2021 is a brutally hard thing to do because there's so many guys who are deserving, but he's historically great. And some of the numbers, and you have to do this over the course of a career, longevity, sustainability, availability being the great ability, these are real things. But right now, Jokic's numbers are historically incredible. So take your stupid noise about how he's a terrible MVP historically and just do some research. Or, this is another thing you can do, and you should, instead of like just giving hot air to the people that happen to listen to you or read you, come over to the Jim Rome Show, hang out, and we'll give you some actual information and some actual facts. It's just, you know. This just in, two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're just 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. How about that? Keeps offers both and offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatment starting at only 10 bucks a month and keeps offers generic versions. Discreet packaging, proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to act on this thing right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome and get your first month for free. keeps.com slash Rome. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show with guest host Bill Ryder on CBS Sports Radio. All right, welcome back into the program. Bill Ryder with you, filling in for Jim. What's up? Happy Friday. Thanks for listening. 1-800-636-8686. Talking Jokic, talking the NBA, want to get a little Clippers, Lakers, and 80s injury and we are lucky enough to have one of the best in the business prices trade for USA Today, national NBA writer and my friend Jeffrey Zilgit. Mr. Zilgit, what's up? What's up, buddy? Hey, Bill. Hope you're doing well. Uh, all good on this end. So, all right, give me the percentage odds from 0 to 5 to, to 30 to 100 that someone not named Jokic will be at the top of your MVP ballot when you submit that here in a few weeks. Uh, look, Bill, I'm, maybe 10% chance that it's uh, someone other than uh, Nikola Jokic. I mean, he separated himself, Bill. Now, uh, I, I, when I say separated himself, I also think that uh, you know he hasn't outdistanced Joel Embiid. Um, and I have some thoughts on this. You, 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 I think you know this, is that uh, the NBA went to making votes public for the awards uh, You know, within the last five years. And the one thing I take a look at is, that since the votes have become public, that the voting, it, it's, there's a greater separation between who wins and who is second, third, fourth, and fifth. Um, I think there's this notion out there that you also have to vote who, you know, the NBA, Twitter, uh, Luminati think should win MVP. Um, I wish it was anonymous. I understand why it's out there. Um, but I think if it was anonymous, you would get a closer vote year in, year out. I don't think Embiid's that far behind, uh, considering he's also having a career year. Um, but Jokic is my guy right now. I love that answer, Jeff Zilgit, here on the Jim Rome Show. Because, I, I, look, I love our colleagues, and I love the NBA, and I feel really, really lucky, Jeff Zilgit, to do what I do for a living, be sitting in this chair right now. But I do think that there's some group think that, that pervades not just the NBA, but we're talking NBA. The NBA sort media ecosystem and, and, and NBA Twitter is a big a big part of it. Who do you think would benefit most? Which player might move up the most, along with Joel Embiid, if that vote were private rather than the the public reality that us voters face and have faced for the last five or six years? Well, look, I, I think you mentioned Embiid, and I believe that. I, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo 
would as well. But there's this notion that, you know, a, a guy probably shouldn't win three years in a row. And there's, you know, the, the voter fatigue that people talk about. And, you know, let's spread the award around. Giannis has had a fantastic season. He maybe started out a little bit slow, as did the Bucks. Uh, he would certainly benefit from it. Um, you might get a few more Rudy Gobert votes um, as well. And, Bill, that's the thing, group thing. Um, I've looked at it this way, and I've probably you know, altered how i felt about this over the years. If you cover the NBA and you watch or attend games on a regular basis and you vote for who you think the best player is, I don't think Twitter needs to come down on you. Now, I'm also not naive, Phil. I understand what Twitter is all about. Um, but, you, you know, if you've watched it and this is who you think is it, then, you know, I'm not going to criticize you. You know, I'm going to say, hey, you, you followed the game and this is who you think should be it. And, and I think because people are worried about the reaction they may get, that sometimes they just go with the safer vote. So, Jeff Zilga, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay in on a little secret. The paradox of filling in for Jim Rome is that it's both the highlight of my career to date, because I'm a Jim Rome fan, and he's been, like he has to a lot of writers, just marvelously good to me and and significant in, in whatever success and luck I've had. But also, it's a painful experience if you care what people say about you on Twitter. And I will just say this to our to our media brethren and, and sisters. You don't have to look at Twitter. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a, yeah. a strong bourbon tonight. Get into my mentions and write all everybody back who who are, you know, displeased with the fact that I'm <laughs> that I'm sitting here. To, I mean, I, it's amazing the way that it's taken over. And, and there's an end that I want to put out to you, Jeff. That I'm a, like you. I'm in the process of making calls, talking to sources, trying to to rise above the group, think a little bit, and tr- maybe try to see things from five or ten thousand feet just to get a perspective before I vote. And one of the names that in my my gut, I feel like probably needs to be on my ballot or certainly in, in, in contention that I think there'll be pushback on is, is Chris Paul. And I know that the stats don't don't support it. And I know the irony of this because I've you know told some, I think, funny and certainly true stories about Chris Paul on the radio over the years. But the guy shows up with in, in Phoenix. I know they were 8-0 in the bubble last year. But just his value to that team, especially if they win the West, to me, is clear. Uh, I'll just do it on the radio instead of privately. What would you say? What, where is your sort of head at on the idea of Chris Paul being, you know, somewhere, not, not the top, but somewhere on an MVP ballot this year? He's going to get votes, Bill, and he deserves some. Now, whether or not he gets one of mine, I, I don't know that yet. He, you know, I usually wait till the very last minute. I like to see, you know, the other thing that sort of bothers me about our sort of sphere that we live in here is that we start doing who the MVP is after the first 10 games of the year. I prefer to look at, in this particular season, 72 games. You know, I understand why we do it. You know, it gets people talking, and, you know, I'm part of it at times. Sometimes I'm asked, uh, you know, who the MVP is. But we start building these narratives. Chris Paul wasn't part of the narrative through 10 games. But through 72 games? Chris Paul should be part of the narrative of MVP. And, and Bill, I'm not going to have a problem, uh, not only if he's in your top five, but he may be in my top five based on what you're talking about. You know, look, this sort of trans, uh, tangentially relates to Coach of the Year. I think Monty Williams has done a fantastic job. But also what's made Phoenix really, really good this year is they're not in the position they're in if it's not Chris Paul. Monty's great. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the Suns, as good as Monty is as a coach, uh, is either in first or second place in the Western Conference if there's no Chris Paul. I, I agree. Jeff Zilgit here on on the Jim Rome Show. Uh, let's let's start here, Jeff. Just on a scale one to ten, uh, in terms of playoff success, what is your level of concern for the Los Angeles Lakers right now? <laughs> I'm one of the guys though, who thinks it's nine or ten. You know, I think they have a lot to worry about and a lot to be concerned about. There are the injuries. There is the possibility. Bill, tonight's game against Portland is important. It was tweeted out by Tim Reynolds of the AP, but look at this real quick, Bill. Is The winner of that game not only moves into sole possession of sixth place in the West, it gives that team the tiebreaker over the other team. So it's essentially a two-game advantage who wins tonight with five games to go. That puts the Lakers in a position of being in the playing game, which even just a few weeks ago, Bill, I thought, I don't know if I thought it was a ridiculous notion, but I didn't think it was as possible as it is as we're sitting here today. And, you know, the Lakers don't want to be in the playing scenario. And I would love it 
you know, I don't know if the Lakers will, but what happens if the if, you know the Lakers lose the seven eight game, or maybe they have to play uh, Golden State. You, you know, you don't want that in a one game scenario. Um, no team does. I, I don't think there's a team in the East that wants the Wizards in a one game scenario the way they're playing right now. That's that yeah. best record of the last month of the season or among them. Uh, the way Russ is a, a triple double monster, and you got Bradley Beal, and so the Lakers fall into that category. And Bill, let's say they're the seventh seed, and they have to end up playing. You know, they probably prefer Phoenix, but you know, because of their lack of playoff experience in totality. But you know, they certainly wouldn't want Utah in the first round. Um, and no matter where they are, let's say they're the sixth, Bill, they're going to get a Denver team that has actually not played. Uh, like they played well without Jamal Murray, and so, and, and we don't know how their health is going to be. Uh, we know the ankle things sometimes tend to linger, although the Lakers think that, that LeBron will be just fine, even though LeBron says he probably won't be 100%. And then you, you have the AD concern. And so I, I, for all those reasons, Bill, I, I, you, know, you should be concerned. And yet, as I was just listening to you before I came on, injuries have played a, a huge role in the way the season has been shaped. And I will also add the caveat that in a regular 82-game season outside of COVID, injuries also do play a factor as well. I just think they're a little bit more pronounced, and we can see them maybe to some uh, some bigger names this year more than other years. Jeff Zilgit here on the show, and I appreciate the insight because I actually can't look at Tim Reynolds' uh, tweet, Jeff, because he has me blocked on, on Twitter. So I appreciate you... Uh, you uh, oh, sorry, about no, that. that's okay, we man. Have no, go, you... We have to go back to the the whole darn Twitter thing, don't we? <laughs> I know people are so so sensitive sometimes. It's okay. Um, all right, so so here's a question that I'm interested in and that I'm going to talk about later, and I, I'd like your perspective. Let's just say that the Lakers are not in the end going to be competitive and able to win not even 16 games. They're not able to win eight playoff games, right? They're not. They're just. It turns out there's injuries or whatever it is that they're not a competitor. What's your sort of order of, of teams that you think in that vacuum would have the best chance to represent the Western Conference in the finals? I would probably put Utah first, although you know they haven't had quite the playoff success that I would like to see from them. I, I do think we have a different Mike Conley this year. Um, now, they're going to need to have, you know, again, we talk about health. They're going to need healthy Donovan, healthy Mike Conley. I would probably put, and I know this is going to bother some Phoenix people, but I do like to talk about playoff experience. I, I may put uh, the Clippers in Denver right there at you know 2A and 2B right after Utah. And the only reason I hold out on Phoenix is as much as I've enjoyed them and as well as they've played and what the record is and what Chris Paul has done and you know Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton's uh, emergence in, in this scheme, is that it's really difficult, Bill, and I know this is an unusual year, but it's really difficult for a team to go from having never made the playoffs, going to the NBA Finals, unless you're a team like Boston when you add Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett to Paul Pierce, or when LeBron Bosch joined Dwayne Wade in Miami. That, that's a different circumstance. I don't think that's the same thing with Chris Paul joining those other two. It makes them really good, but uh, you know there, there is something late in the game you know, and I know Chris Paul brings a lot of that experience, uh, but when you get to the second and conference final, second round conference finals, uh, you know, when every possession is amplified, uh, I, I do like seeing a team with some experience and has you know been a little deeper in the playoffs than Phoenix has been able to get. Jeff Silgan on the Jim Rome Show, and you know the world's upside down when I'm the one riding for Chris Paul's leadership, making them actual contenders. What a what a year. Uh, Jeff Zilgit from, from USA Today. Let me ask you the same question about the Nets that, that I asked you about the Lakers as it relates to rhythm, to to, to injuries, to, to personnel, to, to that big three only having played seven games together. Scale one to ten, what's the degree of concern you have about the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I'm in the 7-8 the, the range. They're going to be able to score, Bill. There's no doubt about that, uh, even without James Harden. You know, Kyrie puts the ball in the bucket. We know KD does. Um, you, you know, they, they have some competent three-point shooters um, out there as well. I am concerned about them defensively. Uh, I am concerned about, you know, not being able to win one of these three games they've had recently. You know, when, when first place in the East is sort of up for grabs, and they had two against Milwaukee, and they have one against Dallas, and, and, and I know some of the games are close, and they're right up there until the end, but, you know, I do feel that, you know, these are the kinds of games you're going to need to get. And I keep going back to something when you talk about all three of them, when you throw James Harden into the mix, and Steve Nash has been a little honest about this, that 
he doesn't know how much even Harden's going to be available in the first round, although there seems to be some chatter that he's close to coming back. But Doc Rivers, this is the thing that sticks with me. Remember last year, Bill, in the bubble, and again, unusual circumstances, but when the Clippers were eliminated by Denver, it was a 3-1 lead that they had. You know, Doc's lament after it was all said and done was that the team just didn't have enough games together. Kawhi didn't play enough with Paul George, and, you know, Paul George didn't play enough with whoever else was on the court. And that's what, you know, Doc said was the biggest problem. And I do think that is something that the Nets need to be concerned about. Uh, you know, when you get into these situations, Bill, I like the way Philadelphia has played. I like the way Milwaukee is playing. And even though Milwaukee's let me down a little bit when it comes to getting to the NBA Finals uh, in some playoff disappointments, there's going to be some real tough series. And I was looking at the standings. You know, what happens in a situation where Boston and Miami, or Miami ends up the seventh seed? Yes. And that's Brooklyn's first-round matchup in the 2-7. That's not your normal seventh seed, uh, either one of those teams, but maybe even especially Miami, uh, if they're right. Um, you're playing the defending Eastern Conference champions who you know, struggled with some COVID-19 protocols uh, and some injuries on their own. This year, but if they're healthy, that that's not the matchup you want to start with if you're the Brooklyn Nets. And so, those are some of the things that has me worried about them getting to the NBA Finals. Hey, you want to hear something absolutely amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? No limit. In fact, it's even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Hello, Frank Martin. How are you, my friend? Bill, how you doing, man? I, and, and, and just so everyone that's listening knows, the feeling is absolutely mutual with me. I was just thinking that, Frank, I've known you, it's not 20 years, but it's probably 15, right? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, the years go by, Bill. It's, uh, you know, I, I still remember when, when you were running around losing your mind because you get ready to have your first child. And, <laughs> true. and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's unbelievable, man. My 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 youngest will be in high school next year. Oh so my God. That's uh, that's how crazy it is. No, you're right. You and I, and, and your wife, and my wife Lori, and Brad Underwood, and his wife all got dinner at Garozo's when we were in Kansas City. Which, if you ever go to Kansas City, Garozo's is the place. As long as you like garlic, it's I think it's my it's my favorite Italian restaurant in the country. When Lori <laughs> was expecting Madeline, and now Madeline's in middle school, so um, the passage of time is part of the deal, Frank. And so is the sort of repetition of of history and. You don't need to comment on Kansas State, but I will. I have been pretty vocal over the years about what I thought was a colossal error in judgment by the people that were there that are no longer in power and and whatever led to, to you going to another to another program. You go to South Carolina, you get your, your team, you get your program uh, to a national championship game, which is not an easy thing to do. Let's be frank. I'll be frank. At, at South Carolina. And you fast forward a few years, and, and you were, at least according to the reporting down there, uh, on the hot seat. There were questions about whether you were going to stick around. I was pretty vocal that I thought it would be a colossal error in judgment if they did not allow you to come back and, and do your thing. For, for somebody whose family is there, right, and involves your, your personal life, what is that process like to, to be waiting on word or, or at least to have people that know you waiting on word about whether or not you're going to get to retain a job? Uh, you know, Bill, we, we handled nothing differently internally than we ever have in my nine years at South Carolina. Uh, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't deal with my contract. I don't deal with next year until I'm removed from the previous year. It's just the way I do things. If, if the school wanted to remove me, they would have removed me. It's their right. They have every opportunity to do so. Uh, you know, it's uh, the unfortunate part of today's world is that you know gossip has become truth and and because of social media the truth gets told but the gossip also becomes truth even though it's not true and 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 that's kind of what happened it's just uh too many people uh speaking and not knowing and uh but i i mean and that's unfortunate for the families not just my family think about my ga who signed up to his career with me 
you know, my video coordinator who just left the, an assistant coach's job because he played for me to come back. And, you know, and, and but that's the, that's what happens because, you know, the narrative was, oh, he's only been to one NCAA tournament in nine years. Well, that's true on paper, but in reality, we weren't going my first three years here unless I cheated, and I was not going to cheat. You know me. You know I'm not cheating. And, uh, and, and then we made the run to the Final Four. We had the two winningest seasons in the history of the school. Uh, and this past year, we were not good. The year before, we were one win away from going to the NCAA tournament, and, and the season got shut down. So it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's unfortunately the, the world we live in. I did a really bad job last season. I, number one, I mismanaged the things I, I, I could have managed better. I've never coached under a pandemic, and the decisions I made didn't work. I'm not talking about X's and O's. And then I got sick, man. And, 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 and then I'm in the middle of the season, and I just didn't have the energy to do my job the way it needed to be done. And, and uh, I played hurt, and maybe I should have called in sick instead of playing hurt. Frank Martin here on the show. Frank, I find you so fascinating for so many reasons, and that's so interesting because the way that you and I got to know each other and, and became friends and collegial is the newspaper I worked for, the Kansas City Star, was merciless in its reporting of you when Bob Huggins, after a year, went to West Virginia. And as it turned out, and I didn't know this until I got to know you, right? So when we first met, I was just I worked for that paper, and I did and wildly, wildly inaccurate. Do you um, do you take pains now? Do you try to to present who you are to the people that cover you, or do you just go the opposite direction and say to hell with it? I'm not even getting involved with the beat writers, the national guys, or whoever it is that are going to shape how people view you for better. And at least as it relates to early on in Kansas City, your time at K State, sometimes for worse. Yeah, I, I Bill, I asked Bob Huggins long ago when I first got the job, what would you do differently if you know, his advice for me is I got going. And he said to me, I would never have fought the media. And, and <laughs> so I, I learned right away, you know, I don't care what they write, what they report, don't fight them. It's not their fault. And, and <clears throat> so I don't fight. On the contrary, I just like I did with you, I try to give people the time that they need so they can truthfully report who I am and what we're about. And uh, there's some people that take advantage of it and some people don't. And, you know, that's their prerogative. And, you know, Bill, I don't know if you knew this at the time, but talking about my contract and all that, when you and I were sitting at that, that Denny's across the parking lot from the hotel yeah, or an IHOP, I don't remember what it was, I didn't have a contract. I worked that whole year without a contract. So I, I live my life day by day, man. I, I'm – I'm a, somebody wants to pay me to coach basketball, I'll take the job for the day. And if I do it well enough, maybe they'll have me back the next time. I feel the same way about radio. Frank Martin uh, here on the show. Frank, the, the transfer portal, I mean, it, this is a new reality for, for people in, in the position that you're in. It is empowering for student-athletes. I'm sure it makes life more difficult for, for people in your position. To what degree are you going to change how you go about recruiting or building a scouting department? How does this affect not just your approach, but just how do college basketball coaches have to change given the new reality in the transfer portal? Uh, it's difficult. And uh, I, I thought the, the, the process that we had in place was, uh, was fair since we're in the world of education. Uh, just, just relate that to life, Bill. Uh, most people that get married at the age of 18 to 20 – get divorced because they don't know how to manage adversity and every relationship is going to have adversity. And, and <clears throat> that's what happens when you, <clears throat> um, when you let people out and, and, and I don't mean let them out from a restrictive standpoint, but just not make them learn how to deal with the difficulties of moments. That's what allows you to build real relationships and what fans of college basketball, because I, Tom Izzo, Matt Painter, me, Calipari, Huggins, we've all been barking for the last five or six years. We've had 800 a year in our sport. Now, if they're going to open it for immediate eligibility, well, you now everyone's saying, wait a second. Well, we've been trying to tell everybody, there's going to be, by the time summer gets here, there's going to be close to 2,000 transfers in the portal. And uh, the days of getting out of bed and rooting for the guy that plays for your school, 
for four years, and then knowing the guy that plays at your rival school for four years, those days are pretty much done in our sport. Uh, it's going to be root for your team, and uh, let's figure out who everyone is uh, as every year starts. Frank Martin here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in for, for Jim. Frank, one of the things that I got to know about you that I wrote about when I was at the Kansas City Star, and I think I think when I when I became a national writer, that I found really fascinating and really nuanced is, is you are in practice. You let me into your practices, into your locker room. You are hard on those kids. You you yell at those kids. I mean, you're, you get after them. It is not – and some coaches don't do that. And then you also – you love those kids. I'll never forget you going after a young man aggressively at practice. And then you and I were in the car. I think you were driving for some reason we were driving from Manhattan, Kansas to, to the Kansas City Airport, which is two and a half hours away. And that that player called you and thanked you for for sort of how much you cared about his basketball and your approach. But it clearly took some time. It wasn't like you walked in, yelled at somebody, got on somebody, had standards and they liked you overnight. How much are you going to have to change your approach knowing that if somebody gets mad enough at you after a season, right, if you don't have the time to build that trust, they can just be like, deuces, I'm out, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I've got to stay true to who I am and understand what you just explained. But that's where recruiting, you can't be someone you're not in recruiting. And I've always been in recruiting an open book. That's why everyone says – uh, no one wants to play for him. You know, Bill, every time I've looked, I've had a full scholarship on my team. I haven't had an open scholarship on my team. And and because there's different people for different walks of life, they're different flavors. And I recruit people that I let them understand me in recruiting. So they comprehend who I'm going to be on an everyday basis. And uh, But that the dynamic you just explained, that's my challenge. Because I, I think I've grown from uh, – uh, from being more patient than I used to be when you were around me a whole lot. Um, but at the same time, I'm still real demanding. And, and I want players that want to be held accountable. That's not going to change. I'm going to keep recruiting those guys. Uh, because <clears throat> if, if I walk in and I'm different, the players that have been with me are going to come get me and say, hey, I didn't come here for this, man. You know, And, and I, I'd rather lose the guy that doesn't want to work than lose the guy that does want to work. And, and, and in order to get people to work, I have to be true to who I am. Frank Martin on the show. Frank, let me just let me end with with just you don't need to hear this, but but to, to the folks listening in South Carolina and the fans, just a warning. I always I tend to fall in love with with some of the fan bases that I cover. You know what it's like, Frank, as a coach. Some fan bases are great, yep. right? I love Dodgers fans. I love Kansas State fans. God help me and my my family forgive me. I love Kansas fans because I like Bill Self, right? And I just like that that community. <laughs> and I, I, that's hard to say out loud. I like I even like Cardinals fans as a Cubs fan. There are a lot of folks who are Kansas State fans who are still mad, still mad that you're not there, Frank. And I wrote a pretty scathing column of the former AD that got crushed locally, that every year, it's like a weird wedding anniversary, people will write me on the anniversary of this column that I wrote, however many years ago you left, Frank, I can't remember, with an apology note, hey, it's Joe Smith from Manhattan, Kansas, and they write that these guys, I get like 50 a year, uh, you were right, that was terrible, we miss Frank, so just South Carolina, I'm just telling you, appreciate what you have while you have it, Frank Martin, um, I, 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 it's great to hear your voice, I, I'm glad you're doing better, I've been thinking about you, and as always, my friend, very gracious of you to, to make some time. Bill, it's always great to hear you, too. And uh, somehow, somewhere, we got to make plans and meet halfway and call Michael Garozo and let's do dinner again. You I will, You know what? You, I'm fully vaccinated, so I'm about to get back to that travel thing at some point. You let me know when you want to go to or you're in Kansas City, and I will come out and we'll eat some chicken spadini. You got it, my brother. That's the plan. Good night now!